Hey, this is Kyle Eidelman from Southeast Christian Church, and I want to thank you for listening to the message today. As we open up the scriptures together, I pray that this message inspires you, challenges you, and is the right word at just the right time in your life. Enjoy the message. Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the Holy Spirit produces. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. When we look at that list, we tend to focus on the list. Love, joy, peace, patience. We see this and we think, yeah, could use a little bit of that in my life. Or maybe you think of someone else in your life who could use a little bit of that, but we focus on the list. Really though, the key to understanding this passage and really the key to unlocking this entire series is the first part, the Holy Spirit produces. Listen, like this is the difference between religion that leaves you feeling frustrated and guilty and shamed and a relationship with Jesus that sets you free. It's the Holy Spirit who produces. It's not, it's not this list is a list of self-determination or behavior modification. It's a list of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces so that when we stay connected to the Holy Spirit, this fruit begins to grow in our lives. And it doesn't just come one at a time. Like all of these things start to become more evident, meaning that we might look at this list as a self-help approach and say, well, I'm pretty good at, at, at joy and peace and kindness, but patience and self-control that's just not the way I'm wired. Like, that's not really my thing. Like, that's not how it works. If it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's all of these things. That's one of the reasons why fruit here is singular rather than plural, because when you stay connected to the Spirit, it all comes. Not all at once. Wish it did. But there should be this growth that takes place where people who know us and who do life with us can recognize some changes. Like, they they know you're not that patient, but you're a lot more patient than you used to be, right? Like there's this growth that takes place. Paul writes these words to churches in a region called Galatia. These are first generation Christians, meaning that they didn't have anyone go before them to show them how to do this. They are first generation believers and they are experiencing this sanctification process that the longer they're followers of Jesus, the more they start to grow in these ways. The longer they keep in step with the Spirit, the more evident this fruit is in their lives. But they struggled with it. Like even in Galatians 3, Paul has to get on to them because they keep going back to the religious approach, trying to earn it, trying to make it about their uh, self-determination. And so he has to remind them, you started with the Spirit, stay connected to the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit in your life. One of the things we've done in this series is we've given little qualifiers uh, for each fruit to help you know that it's from the Spirit and not from yourself. Let me give you an example of that. So a few weeks ago, the message was titled, uh, Joy When There's No Reason. What makes it evident that it's from the Holy Spirit is that you have joy when there's no reason. If the title of the message was joy when you're on jet skis, it's like, yeah, okay. Like anybody can have joy when you're on jet skis, but joy when there's no reason, that's where it becomes evident that it's the fruit of the spirit and not just your own self-improvement approach, right? Like you expect to see joy in places like the, the beach and the spa and um, the concerts. 
But when the fruit of joy starts showing up in a hospital waiting room or funeral home or the DMV, like you know that's coming from something else. Like that's not you. That's from a supernatural source. It's the fruit of the spirit when, when there's no reason. So not long ago, I was um, at a park on a really hot and humid day. Didn't wanna be there. I wanted to be in air conditioning, but wasn't my choice. So I, I go over and I sit at the uh, picnic table and I kind of wipe the sweat off my brow. And I, I see this guy, actually I hear him before I see him. I hear this guy coming towards me because he's whistling. He's whistling, like, what are you doing, bro? It, it, why so happy? It is hot, it's humid. And, and I look up and I see this guy whistling his way by me and he's got this hose on his shoulder and, and the hose is connected to a tank on the back of this truck. And he whistles his way over to the porta potties and he cleans out the porta potties. Hot, humid day, cleaning up porta potties, whistling every step of the way. Now, what really got my attention was the song that he was whistling. Some of you'll recognize it, especially if you grew up in like a children's church. You feel free to whistle along if you recognize it, okay? So he whistles by me, and here's what he's whistling. <clears throat> Yeah, so good job. Good job, y'all. <laughs> and some of you are like, I knew it was a cult. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that song, for those of you who don't know, is this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. That's the song he's whistling while he's cleaning out porta potties on a hot, humid day. What's that tell you? That tells you that the joy that he has is coming from a source other than himself. It's a source that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's joy when there doesn't seem to be any reason. The title of this weekend's message is Patience When You've Had Enough. It's not just that you have patience, it's that you have patience when you've had enough. I, um, I thought about having you finish this sentence out loud, I've had enough of. Let's not do that out loud. <laughs> because for a lot of you, you would say a name and we don't need that energy, but just like, I've had enough of what? I've had enough of that person's criticism or complaining or passive aggressiveness. I've had enough of politics. I've had enough of Republicans, Democrats. I've had enough of news notifications. I've had enough of, uh, of financial stress. I've had enough of something. Like we've all had enough of something or someone. And again, you might say a name, might be the name of a boss or a coworker or a roommate or a spouse or your, or your child. Like it's your offspring. You, you created a human and you've had enough of that human, right? Like that happens. And, and it's when you've had enough that patience from the Spirit is demonstrated. First Thessalonians 5.14 simply says, be patient with everyone. It's the everyone part that makes it so difficult. And we all reach that point when we've had enough. For some of you, it takes a while to get there. For others of you, like before you get out of bed in the morning, like before your feet hit the floor, you've already had enough. The Greek word here for patience is makrothumia. And macro means long, thumia, where we would get like thermometer, thermos, uh, thermostat, it's heat. It's a uh, long heat, it's, it takes you a long time to get hot. That's patience. 
Takes you a long time to get worked up. It's, a, it's that you've got a, a, long, a long wick. So here's a way that we can translate it. That it's a God-given capacity to graciously accept delay, trouble, suffering, or mistreatment without getting angry or upset, without getting hot. It's this God-given capacity to graciously accept delay, trouble, suffering, or mistreatment without getting hot. So sometimes patience means that you respond to an offense with understanding. The Bible says in Proverbs 19:11, a wise man is patient, it's to your glory to overlook an offense. You're not easily offended. You're not easily sensitive. You don't even notice it a lot of the time. Sometimes that's patience. Patience sometimes is reacting to frustration or an inconvenience with a sense of humor. Sometimes patience is accepting what you can't control. And so you just react to disappointment graciously. You just understand, I, it's not anything I can control. Sometimes patience means listening to understand rather than trying to be understood. Sometimes patience means loving someone the way they are. Like they may never change, but you're gonna love them the way they are. Sometimes patience is keeping perspective when you're disappointed. Sometimes patience is kindly thanking someone for something they did that really they probably should have done a long time ago. Sometimes patience is deciding to trust God's timing even though his calendar is not synced up with yours. So how do we have that in our life? It's that fruit of the spirit. The question I want you to think through here is, when you've had enough, how do you react? Um, chances are people around you might be able to better identify an objective answer to that. When you've had enough, how do you react? And here's why this question is important. I'm gonna put this on the screen for us. The fruit of the spirit is evident in our actions, but it's really impossible to ignore in our reactions. That makes sense? Like the way you act is evidence of the spirit's fruit in your life, but the way you react it's just impossible to ignore. Like that really demonstrates the fruit that is growing in your life. Not the way you act as much as the way you react. It, the way you react creates this honest moment where that fruit gets exposed. And, and it's hard to ignore. Like when people see that you react with kindness instead of vindictiveness. When they know how you've been treated, like they, they know what was done. They know how that coworker's been difficult or how that sibling has been a challenge. They, they know how the boss mistreated you. Like they know that and they're expecting you to respond a certain way. Angry, talking behind their back, throwing them under the bus, lashing out. And instead, when you respond with patience, it's evidence that you've got this fruit that comes from the spirit. James chapter five, James talks to us about how this patience creates a deeper maturity within us. It, it is necessary for us to become who God created us to be. So James writes in verse seven of chapter five, dear brothers and sisters, be patient. He doesn't say do patience. I think that's part of our challenge is that we sometimes think of patience as here's what I do. And the more you think of patience as something you do, the more impatient you're probably gonna become with the process. It's, it's who you are. It's an overflow out of this connection with the Holy Spirit. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. How long are you gonna have to be patient? Mm, until Jesus comes back. That's how long. <laughs> like whatever you're currently being patient for may come to fruition, but then it's just gonna be something else. Like all of life is 
patience. It's just patience for the return of Christ. After this series, we're gonna do a five-week series called Keep Watch. And we're gonna address questions like, are we in the end times? And if we are, how does that affect our lives today? How should that impact the way we're living? And certainly one of the challenges is to have this, this patience, this anticipation that Jesus is gonna return. And, and so we wait, but we wait eagerly. We wait intentionally. And James just says, until he, he returns, you're gonna be waiting. So consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. So he describes patience as this purpose-filled time. It's a time to be intentional like a farmer. And it's a time to anticipate. You're looking forward to something that's gonna come. It's not just sitting on your hands and counting down the seconds. It's, it's being purposeful. But that can be difficult, especially in some different seasons of life. I just wanna give you a few times where I think it's especially challenging for us to react with patience. One, uh, when circumstances seem unbearable, or maybe you might say controllable, un- when they seem uncontrollable where something significant goes wrong and and you're just overwhelmed by it. It, You didn't see it coming, it happens all at once and it just feels like too much. Or maybe it's the cumulative effect where it's just one thing after another and then, and then you snap. Like we see this sometimes, I think on, on the internet, we'll see some clip of somebody just losing it in a parking lot and you're like, just relax. Look, what's the, what's the big deal, right? You, you, somebody stole your parking spot. Just take a breath. But there's probably a lot that led up to that, that moment. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I had um, a second eye surgery. So a few of you will remember, a number of months ago, I had uh, surgery on my left eye. I had to wear sunglasses when I preached with Dave. And then I, because of the lights, and then um, I had surgery on my right eye more recently. And I was, it's not painful and it's gonna be okay and I'll learn to manage it. Um, But I've had trouble the last few weeks seeing words, which is really inconvenient for me um, because a lot of what I do is see words. And and so it's it's been a little bit frustrating trying to write a sermon on patience when you can't see the words you're writing. And so on Tuesday night, I went home and, and I asked my wife to help me write my sermon. And I often talk through my sermon with her, like go over things with her and get her ideas and perspective on things. Like that's part of the process. But I said, this time on Tuesday night, I said, could you just type it up for me? Like I'll dictate it to you and you just type it up for me. She's like, yeah, let's do that. And so I laid down on the couch and she sat down, opened up the computer and I began This week, we're continuing in our series called Becoming. I hear her type of just a few, just a few clicks. Are you sure that's how you wanna start? (sighs) This is not a good idea. This was a horrible decision. And we get a few paragraphs into it, and my wife is many things, like she is compassionate and she is wise and discerning. She's hospitable and lots of things. She's not a fast typist. Like, <laughs> turns out, maybe in college she was, I'm sure she was, but like that is not something that she does well at. So we're two paragraphs into me dictating a sermon on patience and I've got none left. Like I, I have no, 
patience and we, we quit. Like the whole exercise lasted about 10 minutes. And, and we have these moments where it just becomes evident that even though we know the right answers, even though we're very much, a, I mean, I'm working on a sermon on patience, but I don't have any. Like we, we understand that this is what we want, but we just can't find it within ourselves. That's evidence that we need the spirit to give it to us. Like we can't, we can't conjure it up. I think that's true when circumstances are unbearable. Secondly, when, when people seem unchangeable, where we think they're gonna change, surely they're gonna figure it out at some point, but the days, months, years, they just keep going and they're not changing, nothing's changing, and our patience grows more and more thin. I um, came across some research in that series we did on marriage a few months ago by Dr. Gottman, and he said, according to his study, 68% of conflict in marriage is what he calls unresolvable. 68% of the conflict you have in marriage is unresolvable, meaning that it deals with things that are not going to change, like these core personality differences that just are. I mean, they just are. It's not going to change. Or, or it's uh, financial stress that's just gonna continue to be there. Or it's challenges with in-laws that aren't gonna go away. They're unresolvable conflicts. And so the question he poses is how do you, how do you have a happy marriage if 68% of your conflict is unresolvable? And he says, you don't focus on resolving the conflict. You focus on accepting. You don't focus on trying to change the person. You, you focus on accepting the person, which requires what? It requires patience. And, and that's the kind of patience the Holy Spirit wants us to model as followers of Jesus. I, I can tell you one of the ways I know I'm trying to do this out of my own energy instead of from keeping in step with the Spirit, as verse 25 says, is that I find myself getting more irritated or getting shorter with people than I normally would be or than the situation would merit. I, um, I finished preaching a little while back. This lady caught me after the service and she said, I had never met her before. She said, um, you know, you use the word irregardless in your sermon. And I know that irregardless isn't technically a word. You're just supposed to say regardless. I know that, but apparently I'd said irregardless in the sermon as she was kind enough to point out to me. And I was assuming that she meant well, like the, her intentions were good. So, you know, that's fine. I appreciated the help. Maybe she thought I didn't know. But then she said, you know, irregardless isn't in a dictionary. And when you say irregardless, you sound nonsensical. Which felt, I mean, I felt like she said, you're stupid. Like that's what I, that's what, that's what I heard when she said nonsensical. And so I felt it, like, like oh, I've had enough. Like I felt, <laughs> I felt it go off in me. But I kept a smile on my face and, and when, when she was kind of finished with her input, I, you know, I said, hey, thank you, for, thank you for that. I think most people probably knew what I meant when I used the word. But listen, irregardless, and I just couldn't, <laughs> I said it with a smile, but I knew what I was doing and I think she did too. And, and, and then I immediately went and, and looked it up in the dictionary, because I know how dictionaries work. Like the way it works is that if a word gets used commonly enough, frequently enough, it gets added to the dictionary. And so I thought, I wonder if it is actually in the dictionary now. Oh yeah, it is. It is, irregardless is in the dictionary. Some of you don't want to hear that. Irregardless, it's in there. Like it's, 
it's in there. And so then I started thinking, I've got to let her know. Like, uh, but I didn't have a good way to get a hold of her. And so this is how petty I am. I thought to myself, okay, at some point, I just need to work into a sermon that irregardless is in the dictionary. But I, I, w- I mean, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, I'm not gonna work that into a sermon, right? Like, that what, where is that pride, patient, impatience coming from? It's coming from pride. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8 creates this interesting juxtaposition. It says patience is better than pride. One of the ways I know I have a pride problem is when I have an impatience problem. I want people to change. I want people to be different. Number three, it's patience when God seems unavailable, where you find yourself in God's waiting room and it never seems like it's your turn and you've been praying. And then you start noticing other people in the waiting room. Why are they getting called before I am? I was here before they were. And then somebody shows up and they don't even have to sit down. Like their name just gets called. They just go straight back and you you don't understand how it works and it doesn't seem fair and what, maybe a good way to say this is what you're experiencing with God is different than what you were expecting and your patience is just wearing thin. A friend of mine compares it to um, going to Disneyland. He said at Disneyland, you've got these signs up at the rides that tell you how long you have to wait from where you're currently standing. And so you're waiting in this long line at Disneyland and, and it just says, you know, from this point you have two days. And like you have a long, you have a long time. And you would think, at least I would think, that that is not helpful to someone who's waiting. Like if the wait is two or three hours, it's probably better not to tell them how long they have to wait. But it turns out it's helpful. Like people want to know. They, they, if they're waiting, they wanna know how long is it gonna be. Just tell me how long it's gonna be. And, and there's a sense in which this is what we're looking for with God. Just tell me how long it's gonna be. I'm okay waiting. But what makes waiting hard, what makes patience difficult is we don't know. You think of Abraham and Sarah, God promises them they're gonna have a baby. But the years go by, they pass childbirth, birthing years, still hasn't happened. They finally decide to take matters into their own hands. It creates a huge mess. They were okay waiting. They just needed to know how long they were gonna have to wait. It would just, I'm just saying it would be helpful if on this journey, while we wait in line, if God would just say, hey, look, I know you wanna be married. Your wait from this point forward is two years. Okay, I can wait two years. Just tell me how long I gotta wait. I know you wanna start a family. From this point, it's gonna be three year wait. I I know you're tired of this financial stress. You're gonna have to wait 18 months. That's how long you've got. It would seem so much easier if he would just let us in on that. But patience and faith go together. It's this dependence on God where we say, God, I don't know, but I know you. And I trust you. I have faith in you. I have confidence in you. Even, even though I don't know the future, even though I don't have access to your calendar, I, I trust you. And that dependence, that patience begins to develop spiritual maturity in us. We learn in that waiting to depend on God James uses the example of the farmer who waters and cultivates and plants. 
He's patient, but he is purposeful. Like don't confuse your passivity with patience. Those two things are different, right? Don't tell yourself you're patient just because you lack the drive or energy to look up from your phone long enough to say something or do something. That's not patience, that's passivity. The Bible describes the fruit of the spirit as fruit of patience. It's growing maturity in you. It's developing something in you. There's something about patience that allows all these other fruit of the spirit to grow. James talks about this in chapter one, two, and four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It produces, it produces this fruit of perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Like there's a spiritual maturity that the Holy Spirit wants to see happen in you as you wait. Let me put it this way. Waiting is always part of becoming. Waiting is always part of becoming. And what God does in you while you wait is often just as important, if not more so, than whatever it is you're waiting for. Who you become in the waiting room is often just as important, if not more so, than whatever it is that you're, you're waiting for. God doesn't waste the waiting. There's purpose in your patience. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And we see this again throughout scripture. Moses spent a lot of time in God's waiting room. He knew God had called him to make an impact, to, to change the way things were in the, the world. But he spends 40 years waiting and God's doing some things in him during that time. Joseph had this dream of how God might use him, and then he's in God's waiting room for 13 years, a long time, but it's not wasted. The waiting is not wasted, it's purposeful. And so the Holy Spirit gives us patience that is purposeful, it's leading to something. Psalm five, verse three, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice, in the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait. I wait expectantly. That's a biblical patience. Lord, I'm gonna wake up this morning. I'm gonna tell you what my requests are. I'm gonna lay it out for you. And then I'm gonna be patient. I'm gonna put my hope in you and I'm just gonna wait expectantly. I'm gonna trust you. Uh, I kinda went back and forth on sharing this last part with you. I, there's someone in my life right now, I'm not gonna mention any names, but somebody that has just been testing my patience. Uh, but, you know, honestly, I don't have a lot of patience left for him. I, I feel like I can't, I feel like I can't trust what he says a lot of the time. I feel like I've, I've lost track of how many times he's promised me something and he hasn't followed through. Sometimes he seems ungrateful takes things for granted in his life. And I don't wanna pile on, but sometimes I think he tries to pretend to be more spiritual than he really is. He has an incredible wife, but I think sometimes he takes her for granted. I heard recently she tried to type up his sermon for him and he didn't even have the patience to. <laughs> the guy that I really have trouble with, it's me. Do you feel this? Like the person I have the most impatience for is me. And, and I have felt this, even in this series, I look at this list and I, I feel like I should be further along and I, I see these different attributes and characteristics and I just recognize how much growth still needs to take place in my own life and, and I start to have a lot of impatience for me. 
And, and I don't know if you're this way, but the way my impatience for me comes to the surface is impatience with other people. There's just something about that, the, the shame and the guilt kind of surfaces in this frustration with others, impatience with others. And, and so the Bible teaches us that God is a patient God. And he's slow to anger, the Bible says, and he's abounding in love. The Bible says that his mercies are new. How often are they new? Every day, every morning. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter, God's not slow in keeping his promises, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, that God is patient. He's so patient with me, he's so patient with you. And, and so there's part of me that just, I just wanna get there, I just wanna arrive, I, I just wanna be patient now. And, and that's not how it works. It is a journey, it is a sanctification, it is the promise that the one, Philippians says, the one who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it. He's, he's working on us. And so we allow his patience to give us patience for ourselves with, with each other. I, I was uh, researching a little bit this week on the question that I stumbled across in Psalms where David prays and he says to God, how long? That's the question, how long? I think he asks it like 20 sometimes in Psalms. God, how long? But one of the things I came across as I studied that question in scripture, it's asked like 60 sometimes, but about half the time, it's not people asking God the question, it's God asking people the question. Like our question to God is, is how long? And I wonder if for some of you, God's question to you is how long? How long? How long are you gonna keep trying to do this on your own? because it's not working very well. How long until you're, you're ready to repent and to confess? How, how long until you finally make the decision to be baptized? Like, like how, how much longer are we gonna keep doing it this way? How, how long is it gonna be? The Bible says in Hebrews today, if you hear God's voice, do something. Like don't harden your hearts, it says. Respond, respond. I, I, I guess I wanna end with a reminder that God is patient with you for now. His patience means repentance. His patience means that there's still time, but there'll be a day where his patience runs out. Like we're patient as followers of Jesus until that day when Jesus comes and says, okay, I've had enough of all these things. But for now, God is patient. There's still time to respond. There's still time to repent. There's still time to confess. So we wanna give you a chance to do that before you leave here. Uh, if you go to our next step room on the first floor to your left over here, we'd love to just visit with you about that, talk to you a little bit more about that. Or if maybe you're ready to make this your church home, we need each other on this journey. We need to support each other, encourage each other because we all get discouraged. We all get frustrated. We, we need one another. Like the fruit that we're talking about in this series was never meant to grow on your own. It is the Holy Spirit growing it in you, but he uses, he uses the church. We're, we're here for each other. I'd love to have you as part of this church family. Let me pray for us and then we're gonna worship together. God, I thank you for your grace towards us. I thank you for your patience towards us. I am amazed by it. 
you're so kind and compassionate and I am so thankful that you are slow to anger. And so God, would you allow us, even in these next few minutes as we worship you, to just be in awe of your patience. I pray that that would fill us and that we would have a, a patience with ourselves and with the people around us and we would stay connected to you, Holy Spirit, and then over time we would just see this growth taking place in our life. I pray, God, that at a time when so many people feel on edge and anger is always at the surface, I pray that we would be people who are patient, people who are slow to anger, people who are abounding in love, that we would just reflect your heart in this world. I believe, God, that that is only really possible with you, that when we've had enough, patience that comes from you, Holy Spirit, is our hope. So I pray that we would be dependent on you, we would find that in you, and it would just mark who we are as your followers. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If today's message made you realize you need to take your next step with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us on any of our social media platforms throughout the week or visit our website at southeastchristian.org. And if you want to hear more content like this, you can check out our sermons podcast or our one at a time podcast. Both can be found everywhere. Podcasts are available. Have a great week.